Hey, welcome friends. It's episode number 41 of Audit Bites. Episode number 41. So today, today we're going to talk about how to stifle your audit department. Now, don't get too carried away. This isn't a how-to. This is actually the warning signs that my audit friends should look out for. But before we get started, let me remind you, you're on Audit Bites, where we give you bite-sized chunks of training, bite-sized chunks of training to help you in your audit career. We are available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. So if you could, do me a favor, go to Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to us. Give us a five-star review because I think we're worth it. Also, this episode is brought to you by Ask Better Questions, Get Better Answers, Perform Better Audits. <clears throat> My best-selling book about the art of asking questions while auditing. So without further ado, my friends, let's just jump right into it. Listen, back when social media was first taking off and it was a new thing, I worked for an organization that wanted to build its social media presence. Now, I mean, in the early 2000s. As an auditor, I was the chief auditor, the director of audit. I viewed social media as a risk. And so I said to them, I'm putting social media on my audit plan. I'm putting social media on my audit plan and we are going to audit social media and the VP of marketing. Well, she didn't really take too kindly to that. She had every excuse in the book. For example, she said, you don't know anything about marketing. She also said, you don't know anything about social media. And then she said, you're not qualified to do any type of social media auditing. There was a lot of discussion surrounding this, and then I was told not to audit it. I was told not to audit it. You think I'm kidding, though? I was told not to. Now, how do you feel about auditors being told what to audit and what not to audit? I thought it was a bad thing for them to tell me what to try and audit and what not to audit. I think social media is a huge risk to organizations. You see, reputations are made and broken on social media, but they told me, don't look at it. So you want to know what I did? You want to know what I did? Anybody want to take a guess as to what I did? I did it anyway. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Actually, I'm kind of not, but I kind of am. So here's what I did. The first thing I did was I took a look at our social media presence. This was in 2006 or seven when YouTube was fairly new. So they had a YouTube account and uh, I took a look at a few things and boy, we had done some pretty bad things. That's a story for another day. As a matter of fact, it's a story for another day and it's a story for another course. But I'll, I'll talk about that in just one minute. So I found a couple of things that were real off with our social media presence and I took them to the director of marketing, to the VP of marketing, I'm sorry. And she looked at me and she said, holy sh!" Because what we found was some egregious things. So after that, she looked at me and she said, you know, maybe you all should take a look at our social media presence and what we're doing here. So after that, we did the audit and we found a few things. We found a few things that we as an organization 
needed to correct. As a matter of fact, that experience actually had me to develop a course. So ask me about my auditing social media course. Now, this is not what you think. This is not auditing your posts for engagement and stuff like that. This is auditing the back-end processes that we have to manage for social media, auditing the back-end processes. So ask me about that course. Now, without getting too far down that rabbit hole, let me tell you the very first, the very first point in how to stifle your audit department. And that's what I call audit engagement evasion. Here's what that is. There's something that you know you want to audit. There's something that you feel like is a risk to the organization and it should be looked at. But the client, they do everything to run away from getting audited. Engagement evasion is simply the tactics undertaken by an organization to avoid an audit. And within that, you'll hear all types of excuses. You're not qualified. It's really not a risk. We think that you should do other things. When that happens, you almost feel stuck because, well, they are your clients. And to a certain extent, you feel an obligation to at least keep them content. You feel an obligation to at least keep them content, right? A lot of us feel that way at certain points in time. What happens if you find nothing? Then they should feel good that you looked at it and didn't find anything. Worse yet, what happens if you do find something? So what is the harm in simply doing an audit? What is the harm in simply doing an audit? So how can you get past invasion, audit engagement evasion? How can you get past audit engagement evasion? Here's what I do. First thing is, I explained to them that we we audit a lot of items that are high risk. We audit some items that are moderate risk, and then we audit a few things that are low risk. Sometimes things that don't appear risky on the surface, once you dig deep, they may have some embedded risk underneath. But then I also ask them, would you rather have some assurance that controls are reasonable or would you rather just assume? But then the big question that I always ask and I don't ask it this directly, but I'll tell you, the underlying meaning is, what are you afraid of? It's just a simple review. So oftentimes, in order to stifle internal audit departments, clients will do what I call audit engagement evasion. They will do everything in their power to try to keep you from auditing whatever it is you feel like needs to be audited. Now, now. That is our first way to stifle audit departments. So let's move along. Let's move along. At one point in my career, I was the audit director for a university in a fairly large city. It's a fairly large city. We had over 35 listed companies in the area. So in theory, this should have been a great place to have a talent pool to select from in order to staff my department. Now, at one point in time, I actually needed to grow the department and I was excited about the opportunity because of all the talent in the city. So I would post positions, I would sort through candidates, and then I would have interviews. 
but things always seemed to be going well up until we actually made an offer. Every offer we put out was rejected and I started to take it personally. Like, what's wrong with working with me? <laughs> it was kind of like a blow to the ego because I was wondering, you know, really, what's wrong with working with me? So we started to ask people for feedback and, and we found out that it wasn't me, at least not 100% it wasn't me. It was, well, it was the salaries that we were offering. It was the salaries that we were offering people. You see, we couldn't compete with the other organizations in the area. We couldn't compete with the other organizations in the area based on the salaries that we offered. Now, this could be problematic, right? Because how do you staff an audit department when you can't afford to pay your auditors? How can you staff an audit department if you can't afford to pay your auditors? So, so what I ended up doing, I made regular budget requests to increase my budget. And for quite some time, the answer was always no. So I struggled for a while trying to staff the department. But here's one thing that that taught me. Since we're talking about ways to suppress your audit department, this next tactic is what I like to call salary suppression. Salary, salary suppression is very simple. This is when the management team outwardly supports your audit function by allowing them to exist in the organization. You know, you have a charter, you have a staff, but they don't provide adequate funding to truly support the acquisition, the retention of qualified personnel. So look, look, here's how salary suppression typically works. They approve your budget, but it's you know far below market value for what employees are worth. Personnel are hired. They'll stay with you for maybe a year or two. They love working for you, but the money is just not enough. Oftentimes, they're stolen away for better salaries. I had one guy leave when I was at this organization, and he increased his salary by $20,000. I talk to him to this day, and he tells me, hey, man, working with you was one of the best experiences I ever had, but I, you, you just couldn't pay me. So salary suppression is a dirty trick that people use when they want to say, we have auditors, but then you don't give them the resources to actually do the job. So what you have to do, you have to call out this nonsense or else your department will suffer for years. So here's some ways that you can call it out. Here's some ways that you can call it out. One of the first things I did was started getting salary surveys specifically for our industry and specifically in the city within which I lived, discovered that we were paying people about 30% below market. The other thing you can do is ask people why they reject your job offers, because now you have a database of, hey, here are the reasons that they gave. And as long as the answer wasn't you, <laughs> you're probably in good shape. But also you want to keep track of how long it takes you to fill open positions, because if it's taking you a long time to fill open positions, that's an indicator of a problem. Then you want to tie all of that back to your ability to be productive, because if you're not producing results because you don't have staff and then you realize that you're underpaying your people, that's the case that you present to your board. So look, today we're on episode number 41 of Audit Bites, and we're talking about ways to stifle your audit staff, ways to stifle your audit staff.
<laughs> Captain, what do you mean you can't be me? What's so bad about being? Oh, it couldn't be me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I, I get that. It, took, it takes me a minute sometimes to connect the dots. Sometimes I'm a little slow. You know that, though, because you know me. Sometimes I'm a little slow. Now, of course, it couldn't be me. I'm a great person to work for. <laughs> so, look, one, one way to, to stifle your audit department, though, seriously, salary suppression. If you have a department, but you're not paying them enough, people aren't going to stay. So, listen, one time I had this client. One client was really, really, really helpful. I mean, every time we asked them a simple question, they would give us these elaborate answers. As a matter of fact, they would come to us oftentimes requesting to be audited. We thought, wow, they really get it. They understand what we do. They really, really like and respect us. That's what we thought, because we thought we had a really, really, really good relationship with this client. I mean, they were extremely, extremely helpful. We felt valued to a certain extent. But here's what we ended up learning. We ended up learning that what they were doing was they were steering us in the wrong direction. They were steering us away from the real risk within the organization. You see, they were steering us away from things that really needed to be audited. And yes, they were overly friendly in that capacity. Now, this is a dangerous practice because it stifles your audit department. It has you, well, running around in circles, doing things that don't matter, doing things that don't count, doing things that don't make a difference. So another way that people stifle audit departments is what I like to call damaging diversion. They divert your attention away from the things that matter. They divert your attention away from things that matter. Now, how can you see this happening and how can you stop it? One clue that you're being diverted is when you look at the performance metrics that they use to measure performance in the department. If you've never audited the things that they have as performance measurements, you're probably going down this black hole that doesn't count. You're probably going down this black hole that doesn't represent the real risk within the department. So you got to watch out for damaging diversion. Sometimes when people don't want you looking at things, they will divert your attention away from away from the things that matter and send you down this rabbit hole of things that, well, really don't matter at all. They'll send you down this trail of things that don't matter at all. So listen, friends, while we're here, I want to remind you that somebody you know, well, me, has written a really good book about how to ask questions while auditing. It's called Ask Better Questions, Get Better Answers, Perform Better Audits. If you go to Ask, Get, Perform, that'll tell you a little bit about what the book is about. And it'll take you to the Amazon store so that you can purchase it. It actually hit like number one on the Amazon charts a while back. Let's see if we can move the needle and get it back up the charts again, especially since May is Internal Audit Awareness Month, so why not do it during this month? I said earlier, if you like the book, if you like the, I said earlier, if you like the podcast, leave us a five-star review. Now I'm asking you, if you've read this book, go give it a five-star review on Amazon. I think everybody should read it, and, and that's my non-biased opinion. Okay, I'm real biased, right? So today, on episode 41, 
we are talking about how to stifle your audit department. And I've given you a few ways that it can be done. Audit engagement, evasion, right? That is when they do everything to try and run away from an audit. Salary suppression, that is when you have an audit department, but it's not adequately funded. So you don't have enough money to actually do the job that they want you to do. Damaging diversion, well, that's when they divert your attention away from the things that truly, truly, truly matter. Now, for the last thing, let me tell you about one of my good friends. One of my friends was responsible for managing the Sarbanes-Oxley process, even though he was an internal auditor. So what we're not going to talk about is the ugly elephant in the room. Sarbanes-Oxley is not internal auditing, and Sarbanes-Oxley is ruining internal auditing. I got a whole other podcast on that if you'd like to listen. Go back and take a look at my catalog. But, but he was responsible for the Sarbanes-Oxley process. And they found, well, they found a lot of things that were concerning. And when they brought the issues to management, he had issues getting them to react and correct the issues. You see, the management team viewed SOX as an audit thing, and it's not. So, needless to say, he was pulling his hair out, trying to get them to address the issues because the management team didn't understand that SOX is a management issue, not an internal auditing issue. When you see that happening, it's problematic, my friends. It is problematic. Now, here's the problem with it, though. Here's the real problem with it. Responsibility without authority is very dangerous. No one should have responsibility for something and then not have the authority to be able to fix the problem that they are responsible for. I find that this not only does it make your department ineffective and inefficient, it kills the culture and the morale within your department. It kills the culture and the morale within your department. Here's the ultimate problem with that. Once your culture becomes corrupt, it takes you years to repair that damage. Once your culture becomes corrupt, it takes you years to repair that damage. So my advice would be fix your culture before it gets bad. You don't want to do damage control on the back end. And when you give people responsibility for something without giving them authority mm -hmm. to actually make a difference, what you're doing is essentially damaging the culture in your organization or in your department. That is something that should be avoided at all costs. So, all right, friends, I want to thank you for joining me on episode 41 of Audit Bites again. If you like this podcast, you're an internal auditor, spread the word, tell all your friends to tune in. You can see us either live here on LinkedIn or you can see the recording on LinkedIn. You can see the recording on YouTube or if you have an iPhone, you can go to the App Store. If you have an Android, you can find us in the Google Play Store. You can find us everywhere. And if you need training for your auditors, you know where to find me, www.thatauditguy.com. See you next time.